if you have your Bibles, grab those. Acts chapter 2, 42 is where we'll start out this morning. Um, a couple of other scriptures we'll look at uh, throughout, but um, really kind of will be the, the, the bulk of where we'll be this morning. Uh, Acts 2.42 there. Uh, be praying for Austin. Austin's on vacation this week. Um, I'm trying to think. He's heading to Seattle or to Washington. Flew to Seattle to get a truck to drive back cross country with his brother. What kind of vacation is that? Something about a dog or something, wasn't it? Something about a dog. No, every good country song starts. No? No? Too much? Okay. But yeah, be, be, uh, maybe pray for his brother. I'll pray for both of them. Um, I think, and his, the grandpa went too? <laughs> yeah, pray for the dog. Um, so, so be praying for him as, as he's traveling back. Austin's our student pastor. Um, so uh, like I said, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be back uh, later this week, but just, just went out and hanging out with family and doing that. So um, can't wait for the stories. But anyways, um, last week, family worship uh, Sunday, I just thought was, I mean, just so good, wasn't it? Refreshing. Uh, service looked a little bit different in the way that we did things, the way that we moved about and, and prayed and, and walked through uh, different opportunities there to just um, actively pursue Christ. Uh, man, I just thought it was, it was refreshing uh, is a word that I would use. Uh, and, and to see kids and, uh, and parents and, uh, just, just worshiping together. I'd, I'd heard a story of somebody going up to somebody and just saying, forgive me, I love you. And they just, it, was just, it was just a beautiful, beautiful time of Um, all the moving parts up here, which just kind of shows you the heart of, of our church and the men and women that uh, have the privilege and honor to be able to lead us week in and week out. Um, and so, so we, we're just, we, we'll have more of those in, in the future. So, so just get, get ready. Uh, you're thirsty, are you? Uh-huh. What if I needed some of that to amp me up this morning? Whichever's like, you don't need anything to get him going. Um, anyways, but... All right, let's take two. No, um, but no, uh, so Family Worship Weekend last week, like I said, was, was really, really good. And then the new season, we're kind of moving in. So we'll be finishing up our, uh, our budget stuff and getting that out to the church to be, to be praying at, praying over, looking at. Um, and with that comes uh, a new season of life groups as we're trying to really just kind of get things uh, solidified a little bit more and do even more. So in the lobby, Jim will be in the lobby after service. If you're interested in being a part of a, a group, we have two that meet on campus on Sunday mornings. We have some that meet on campus uh, Wednesday evenings. And so uh, see him. Uh, and so we're, we're excited about that. And then next week, I know we'd mentioned, we'll get into that Acts 2 here in a minute. Next week, um, anniversary, we're turning 16, church. Yeah. Yeah, um, which is awesome. And I just, man, hot off the press. I've got some news for you. But I'll tell you until next week. Ah, oh, did that thing. It's like kids on Christmas now. Like, what is it? What is it? Like, what? I can be bought, but... No, I'm just joking. Um, I can't. Everybody's going to have to wait till next week, but we are super excited. We have got... I mean, like... like it's going to be major, major news. So major news. Uh, so that's the little teaser. Be here next week. Um, some big time news with, with our anniversary. And then after, after service, what we'll do is we'll just load up. Um, if you need to go home, get lawn chairs or change, whatever you need to do, uh, then come over to the lake. The address is in the bulletin. Come over to the lake. It's going to be the road right in front of the fish camp. Um, the house is right down there on the left. And so uh, we're just going to eat and fellowship and have a good time. And then after that, we're going to move uh, down to the lake. Well, everything will be at the lake, but we'll move on over to the water and, and just have a time of celebration and baptism. And so 
uh, we, we are excited, excited uh, about next week, and I, even more so now that I've got like hot off the press type news. So um, be here next week, you'll hear it. So Acts 2, uh, and like I said, we'll, we'll get there here in just a few minutes, but I was at the, the men's fellowship breakfast yesterday morning, and we're kind of sitting there uh, eating and fellowshipping and talking, and as we're doing that, uh, Jimmy uh, kind of taught us yesterday from God's Word a little bit, and um, somebody said something, and I can't remember exactly who said it, but uh, the comment was made that there are uh, 52 Sundays in a year. We're talking about fellowship and like people and knowing people and seeing people, and, um, which is, I mean, it's not a profound thing. I mean, if you've lived any time, you know that there's 52 weeks in a year. And so we have 52 opportunities as the church to gather uh, on a Sunday morning and, and worship and, uh, and, and come together and see, see people and, and things like that. And so, uh, but, but the thought hit us that that's, that's not enough. Like just seeing somebody 52 times, which 52 times is a lot. Might be more times than you see other people in your life. But it's not the type of seeing people or the way or, or the idea or, or the word fellowship. That, that's, that's not truly sitting in a service with someone for 45 minutes to an hour and a half is not, is not the heartbeat behind what we're going to look at this morning. And so there's absolutely nothing that has shaped my vision or my heart for community in the local church more than what we're going to look at and read and talk about this morning. I believe it's what God has given his church to, to model and emulate and to, to walk out. And these scriptures are just going to paint a vivid picture of, of what marked the very first church, of, of how the very first church did it, what held those believers together after Jesus had left them on earth. What kept them unified, what kept them together, what inspired them to, to leave everything behind for his sake. That's what we're going to look about. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what sustained them in the face of horrible opposition and persecution. And we're here today as a result of their obedience then. Like, like, have you thought about that? Like, we sit in this place this morning because of what took place in Jerusalem in that day. And what we're going to read about is our history. It's our lineage. It's, this is about us being here today and what God has accomplished through his church. His people. So I'm going to ask you to join me and then we'll jump into Acts 2. Let's pray. Father, we, we need you. We love you. God, I ask that you just move and speak in this place. Father, I just pray that you would say and do whatever you need to do here. And Father, I pray that you would start with the man standing on the stage, opening up your word. God, God that you would direct the very words from my mouth. God, that, that, that I would be under complete control of the Holy Spirit. And that I would say and do whatever it is that you see fit in this time of opening up your word. God, I don't want to add to, and I don't want to soften the blow. I just want to be obedient. And Father, I pray for the men and women that are sitting here this morning that, that will hear the proclamation of your word. And I, I, I just pray, Father, for the heart here, maybe that doesn't know you as Lord, that's never truly been, uh, uh, been a part of your body, your church, your bride. And so, Father, I pray for that heart that this morning would be the morning of salvation, of life that would be given. Father, that you would draw them and save them. And Father, for the heart here this morning that's hurting, for the heart here this morning that's struggling, for the heart here this morning that just, that just needs a little, a little encouragement, Father, that your word would do that and accomplish all that you've said and set out for it to do. So Father, just, this is your church. These are your people. You do whatever you see fit in this time. For your glory, for your honor. In name we pray. Amen. 
So to kind of set the stage for what we have here in Acts chapter 2 is we have the day of Pentecost and, and you have the Holy Spirit who comes upon the disciples and uh, the disciples begin to speak in tongues, which you, you were here uh, a few months ago. We, we talked about spiritual gifts and what that looked like and what that meant. And um, uh, the gift of tongues here is just a, a language to speak to the people who had gathered. So uh, it, it would be like me who knows not a lick of, of Spanish. I mean, I can get us to a bathroom, but that's about it. Um, being able just to fluently speak Spanish. And so what happened is in this, t- in this day, you, you have the Holy Spirit coming upon those disciples and uh, they begin to proclaim in everyone's own what they hear and what they perceive and what they know to be the mighty work of God. They, they pretty much hear the gospel. And then what happens is Peter stands up and he begins to preach and he begins to proclaim over them the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit begins to work and move and do. And you have over 3,000 saved and baptized on that day. And man, the church is birthed. The church goes, goes from zero to 100 in just a matter of, of moments. And you have Acts 2 here. And this is what it says. Acts 2.42, it says, And they, they are the believers we just talked about. Uh, the, the over 3,000 that were saved and baptized. The church being birthed. And I just want to point at this, that this, this is God's heart toward the church. You're going to see his heart. You're going to understand his heart even more. Even as gloriously messy as she is, his plan has never changed about this church, about his people. And so I want us to do this. I want us to look at Matthew 16 real quick to just talk about the they, about, about the church, to, 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 to try to understand and get even more so the heart of God as it pertains to the church. Matthew 16, 13 says this. It says, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some are saying you're John the Baptist. Some say you're uh, Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah or just one of the prophets. And then I love how Jesus goes from the they to them. So, so this is what the crowds, this is what the people are thinking, this is what they're saying. Uh, uh, but I love his intentionality and his heart toward his boys, toward his guys. Okay, that's what they're saying, but, but who do you say that I am? Who, 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 who do you say is what he asked them? And you've got Simon Peter who steps up and he says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus responds and he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, that's a pretty profound statement, a very big statement. Though Peter is known as the rock, that's not what Jesus is going to build his church upon. Jesus is not going to build his church upon Peter because Peter, first of all, can't sustain or handle that kind of pressure. He can't be for people what they need. They need a a savior, a rescuer, a redeemer, a Messiah. He's not that. So, So when Jesus makes this statement, he's not going to build the church upon Peter. But instead, he's going to build the church on the reality of what Peter just said. Peter's response to who Jesus is whenever he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the truth that he's going to build his church upon. That's the reality of why we gather in this place this morning. We gather in this place for no other reason than Jesus. Not to hear a band, not to hear some announcements, not to find out some of the the cool new stuff going on. But but we gather here for the the purpose of, of making much of Jesus Christ and lifting high his name. For, for his glory, for his honor. And in that, somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit works and he changes and shapes us and molds us all the more into the image of his son. But we gather in this place because of Jesus. That's what Christ is going to build his church upon. 
The fact that he is the Messiah, that he is the living son of God, came to seek it to save the lost, came to, to pay a price that we can never pay, to redeem and ransom. That's going to be the reality and the rallying point for the church. And then I don't know if you noticed in there in verse 18, but, but the promise that he makes to his disciples, and it's one that even reaches to today to our world. The, the promise in 18, he says, and I will build my church. That's what Jesus tells his disciples that day. That's what he reminds them. That's what he lets them know is going to happen. And so I made the comment that we sat here as a result of what took place on that day in Jerusalem. We sat here today because of statements like this. We gather in this place. The church gathers in other countries, even amongst ridiculous opposition and persecution. The church gathers today. Why? Because when Jesus says something, he doesn't just flippantly say it, does he? Jesus doesn't just throw out some empty promises or, or some uh, hopeful type encouraging words just for the heck of it. When Jesus says something, there's weight that goes with it. He means it. He has heart behind it. And he has the power to fulfill and do what he says. And we're living proof of that. We gather in this place as living proof. We're going to celebrate next week 16 years. Do you know how many churches can't make it past two years after birth, after being planted? The amount of churches that their doors are being shut right now? Churches are dying? And it's not because Jesus isn't fulfilling his promise. That's not the case. But the fact that he is faithful and that he is good and that his church universal is still going. And so Jesus says, I will build my church. And that's the promise he makes. We'll build. And he's done a very, very good job building his church with what he has to work with, hasn't he? I'm talking about us. I'm talking about us. Like, like, like my middle guy, like, like, like this was our first week back to school. Hey, parents, are you excited about that? It's been a great week, and I don't want to jinx it, but like our middleman, sixth, first grade, it's just a t you don't know what you're going to get in the morning when you wake him up. And so my middle, but he's like that creative, crazy mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 he, like he is just, you can give him like two sticks, a piece of, like he's MacGyver. That, that's what he is. Like, you leave the room for three minutes, and you don't have eyes on him? Like, like you're coming back. Every bowl's pulled out of the cabinets. We, have, we don't have tape in our house. Not because we don't want tape. We just can't keep tape. We can't hide tape good enough that he can't find it to, to create stuff. And it's like, what is it? He's like, Dad, it's a thingy-majigger, dingle bobble. I'm like, what is that? Well, you can do this with it and that way. I mean, I mean I mean, like the stuff that he constructs, and it's crazy. And, and to say that to say this, like, like I mean, can can you? I mean, can you look at what Jesus has done with the mess that he's had to to, to work with? I'm talking about us. Uh, like, I'm a pastor of a church, and some of y'all know me, and you still come back. I mean, does that just not show you how amazing God truly is? How creative and how awesome. And it's not on our account. It's not because you're awesome that this thing's making it and doing it. And it's not because of anybody that's ever been here because this church has made it for 16 years, but it's because of, of God's goodness and greatness and his plan right here to build his church. Which brings me to the second little part of that promise. I will build what? My church. Whose church is it? It's God's church. It's Jesus' church. He is the head, right? We are the body. It's his idea. 
It's not about a convention. It's not about a leadership. It's not about a pastor. It's not about an idea. It's about him. His greatness, his glory. The church belongs to Jesus. Jesus alone. And he says, I will build my church. And he, he takes this promise even a little bit further. In, in verse 18, as he keeps going, he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And have you thought about that? I mean, we may get worked over a little bit here and there, but the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So what can overtake in the church? Nothing. Absolutely Nothing. I mean, I don't know what you face in a day-to-day uh, uh, happening. I don't know what, uh, what happened. Like yesterday, we were at, at the men's fellowship breakfast and, and devotion time, and, and they were talking like military stuff. And, and I was just like, man, like that, that's like crazy, some of the stories people have uh, about some of the things that they've seen and been a part of. And, and as awful as that is, that, that's nowhere near how horrific the gates of, of hell or what hell, the picture that comes along with that. So there's absolutely nothing worse than hell. And so the greatest threat and battle that we'll ever face is that of the spiritual kind of principalities, not of this world. And what Jesus promises his church, his people, for that day and for that day, the battle's already won. The battle is already won. And, and I know that the church has been messy. I know the church has struggled. I know that all of those things have taken place. Why? Because we're people. And though we're redeemed and saved, we still struggle with sin. We still struggle with selfish desires. We still struggle uh, uh, with, with our own initiatives from time to time. But Jesus is greater than that. So the church universe will always, always, always prevail. Always prevail. The, the schemes of man, the schemes of darkness cannot overthrow or destroy Back to Acts 2.42. So that's who Jesus is talking about. The church, the they there. And they, Acts 2.42. My people, my bride, my church. And they devoted themselves. And so when, when we see here this word devoted themselves, it means given over to. It means to study, to be committed to, to be loyal to. And so the church was in awe and fully about something. Their desire, their focus was, was, uh, was, was intense on something. And the something uh, would be the very thing that would sustain them and keep them. It, it would be the thing that, that would keep them going. It would be a, a rallying point for them. It uh, be their consuming passion. And so they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. So the gathered community listened to and followed the preaching and teaching of the 12 apostles based from the words of Jesus and the law. That time that they had spent with Christ, the things that they had seen modeled, the things that they had heard from him, as well as from the law, that is what they were devoted to. They're teaching God's word and so church, this is one of the defining marks of the church, of a true believer, a love and a hunger and a desire for God's word. I, I just think of Psalm chapter one. Psalm chapter one says this, it says, blessed is the man or, or the follower of Jesus. I'm going to put that in there, man, woman, who the believer, blessed is the believer who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers. It says, but his delight, their delight is what? Their delight is the law. What's the law? God's word. God's word, their delight. They're delighted in God's word. They, they want God's word. They're hungry for, for God's word, for the law of the Lord. And on his law, God's word, they meditate day and night. When was the last time 
meditated on God's word. I'm not talking about just like the verse of the day and you kind of move on or uh, you just kind of do your devotion to get it done with or man, I mean, I read three verses today. I did it. Like, let's do, like I mean, like, like you, you didn't just read, but you thought about it throughout the day. I mean, you chewed on it all day. You'd pull it out and you'd read it and you'd look at it and you'd circle words and you'd think about it. You'd jot little things down. I mean, when, I mean you, you went to bed thinking about it, dreaming of it, loving it. Delight is in the law of the Lord and the law he meditates at night. For he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. So are you given to, are you devoted to, committed to, hungry for God's word? Really hungry. Has anyone ever had the privilege and honor of, of, of counseling that's struggling or just walking through some stuff? This is always the place I start. Always the place. I, are you a believer? Let me hear your testimony. And then after that, I'll move, move over to, uh, uh, to, to what about God's word? How are you spiritually dry? Does God feel distant? Because the reality is this, God never moves, does he? We're the ones that move. We're the ones that get consumed with things. We're the ones that takes our eyes off of things uh, about him, pertains to him. We're, we're the one that drifts. God never drifts. God is consistent. God is, is always, uh, always where he's always been and always will be. And he's said to be and he's going to do what he's always said he's going to do. We're the ones that, that drift. Not him. We're the ones that move. Not him. But this, this is the place that I always start. Get back to God's word. How, how, what's your time in the word look like? You're not hearing from him. Well, he speaks. He speaks often and always. And we have the ability to go and get it and hear it. It's his word. It's through his Holy Spirit. Churches, hear me, you will never grow mature or be of much use for his glory in any area of your life if you're not devoted to his word. You will never get to where you need to be if you're not hungry and desiring his word. If you're not submitting to and walking out and following. I can remember um, uh, just fresh into college, and I, I went and spent some time with my mentor uh, up in Kingsport, Tennessee, and I was trying to figure out my life and what God was going to do, where he's going to lead me. Uh, and I can remember every night before we went to bed, it was like, all right, man, come on in. So what's up? He said, let's, let's do it. Uh, I said, do what? Get out your Bible. Let's read it. And he would open up the word and he would read his word and he would do his little, little devotion in quiet time. He was a night owl, so he did it at night. And then we'd spend some time praying and we'd talk about it. And, and I can remember talking to, to Billy at this time. And, and, and we, we were just chanting. Billy, Bill, you do this every night, right? He's like, yeah, man, every, I, I, every night I don't miss it. I said, you don't miss it, do you? He said, no, 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 no I, I have to do it. Not, not that I, I get to, but I, I have to be in God's Word. I said, well, well, Billy, just, just saying, like, how many times have you missed it? And he's like, oh, man. He's like, Scott, probably in a span of 10 years, I've only missed doing this maybe two times. And I'm not talking about, like, like he pulls it open, John 3, 16, for God's love, the Lord gave his only begotten Lord, love you, amen, let's go to bed. No, 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 like, homeboy, I mean, he's, we, 30 minutes. Who has 30? And this was before like face, Facebook and all that kind of crazy stuff or really like important stuff, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so 30 minutes, just in the Word, just writing and thinking and 30 minutes of being in it, meditating on it, chewing on it, thinking about it. In 10 years, has missed doing that two times maybe. I, I wish I'd have caught him and asked him today. And, and, and I mean, just... No wonder, no wonder God uses him like he does. No, no, no wonder he's full of, of the Holy Spirit all the time. Well, because, 
All I know is this. You put a sponge down in water, it's going to absorb the water, is it not? And you bring it up out of the water and you squeeze it, it's going to go everywhere. You put you in those situations, those circumstances, with God's word, in God's word, hungry for God's heart, hearing from him. You do that, you're going to absorb it. It's going to go in you. God's word is going to accomplish what he said it's going to accomplish and do. And then what happens when you get put in those, those strenuous uh, moments? You're, you're, going to, you're going to leak God's word. Because what's in comes out. The problem with the church, I believe, the problem with believers today is we don't have much of God's word in us, so not much comes out. There was one. You get it. You know what I'm talking about. That would have been a great time, church. We'll get there. We'll get there. Hang with me. But what comes out is what's in. And we have got to be submerged in. We've got to be in. So, so, so this, this is one of the things that I'm, that I'm trying to do and trying to uh, incorporate into my house even more. Just, just this flow and rhythm in the Miller, Miller house. Miller house. It's the verse of the day. So, so what, what we normally do is when we get in the car, we'll, we'll pray on our way to wherever we're going. So, so mama takes the two olds, I take the young. And so, and I think the young is going to be a little charismatic because like, he likes hallelujah. Like that's his big word right now. Oh, I'm like, yes, yes, son, yes. And amen, hallelujah and amen. And so, um, so mama takes the bigs, drops him off at school, and every morning she'll pray for them as she goes. I get the little, and we're driving down the road, and he's two. He still talks in tongues some, um, but <laughs> hey, he'll get there. Uh, and so, but, but hallelujah or amen. And whenever, and like I'll look back and he's like this, like he's like, like looking and he's got his hands like this and we'll finish, we'll say amen, he'll say amen. But one of the things that we're incorporating in with the bigs now is, is, is we'll, we'll pull open the phone. I'm like, all right, dude, what's, what's the verse of the day? And we'll read it before they get in the car and get going. So we're finishing up breakfast, they're getting ready before the hustle and bustle of really trying to get out. One of the rhythms that we're trying to, uh, to incorporate into the family right now is, is God's word. And so we'll open it and we'll read it, but we don't just read it, then I'll ask questions. So like, like there was a big word this week called humility. I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, uh, humility, it means humility. <laughs> yes, but define that for me. And they just looked at me with blank stares. So, so I, got, I got to talk to them a little bit about what humility means. And it was talking about being humble for God's glory and for his great name. And so we got to talk about that a little bit. And, and, and you know what? How, there's five days in the school week this week. You know how many times we got to do that for? The preacher of the church only did it four times with his kids this week. God, Lord, help us. No. Please pray for me. But you know, there were four times this week that my kids got to be in the Word and we got to talk about it in a way that was different than normal. And we got to elevate it to something and make a big deal out of it. Why? Because we want to get to the place. I want them to be, I want them to be ferocious men of God. And the only way that that will ever happen and be accomplished is if they love and desire God's word. And so I want to get them in front of it. I want to talk to them about it. But church, we want the same thing for you. We desire, if we're ever going to be used of God like he fully can, we have got to have a love and a hunger for God's word. And we want to aid you in being devoted to God's word. So what are we doing? We've sat around, we've thought about it, we've prayed about it. We, We want to chronologically read through and study the New Testament this year as a church. We want to do that. So, so our preaching for the next uh, six months, seven months, eight months, however many months it is up until Easter is going to be through the New Testament. We're going to study God's Word. We're going to give you resources. We're going to put it before you. As, as you heard Jimmy saying, we're going to put out something on our media platforms this week to show you and to model to you what that looks like. We're going to put before you the HEAR method. It's just this, uh, the HEAR method is just H-E-A-R, which means highlight, examine, apply, and respond. So as you read through God's word, highlight things. What sticks out to you? What does, what, what does humility mean? Why is that a big deal? 
examine it. Go a little bit deeper with it. Look up. What, what does that word mean? Try to dig around a little bit and then apply it. How does that apply? About, why do I need to be humble? Why do I need to live that way? And then how do I do that? How do I live that out this week? So, so we want to put things before you. We want to get God's word. All I know is this. I think, I believe once you start to nibble on it. Have you ever like went to a restaurant and like you've, you've gotten like a, a bite of something and you left and you just could not get over that? And like for the next six days you're eating at that place because you had a bite of it. It was just so dang good. Like right now for me, it's like the mix of like Sprite and lemonade from Chick-fil-A. I don't know why. I, know, uh, I heard an uh. They'll get their heart right. It's okay. We won't discipline from the stage this morning. It's good. I don't know, but it's got like the chunks of lemon in it, and the Sprite gives it like that, I don't need caffeine, but, and it don't have caffeine because it's Sprite, but it's got a lot of sugar. Mama says I'm sweet enough, but anyways. But man, I've just got, I've like, like, hankering, like I don't know about, like, like hankering is like another level of like desire, you know what I'm saying? We need to have a hankering for God's word. And I guarantee that when you start to nibble and chew on it and taste it and get in it and, and dig through it, God's going to do a work in your heart and he's going to draw you and you're going to want more. You're going to want and desire more because in that, that's where you get to know God. That's where you get to grow in God. So he goes on and he says this. He says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and so fellowship is just close mutual association in an authentic environment, walking with, doing life together, caring for, having accountability, all for the purpose of growth and maturity in Christ as well as fellow believers. It's, it's a fancy phrase we use of doing life together. Fellowship. They, 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 they were close. They, they cared for one another. They lived out relationship with each other. And so I just feel like for a church, we just, we just need to camp here for a minute. We, we, just need to, we just need to pull up a chair and let's just, let's just have a talk and let's, let, let's look at this and let's, let's think through this for a minute, this thought of fellowship in, in the body, even in this place. Because, because it was so important that it's mentioned here, right? God doesn't just say stuff to say stuff, uh, but he says stuff uh, because he means it, because it's important, because it, it, it has meaning and, 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 it, and it directs us and points us all the more. So the greatest relationship we see lived out in Scripture is that what of, of, the, uh, of the Trinity, right? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The fellowship of the three. I mean, the unity of the three. And I believe that that's just a picture of what the church should be like. I mean, we should be unified. As Doesn't Jesus even pray that? Help the church, help them be unified, help them be uh, uh, together in one accord of one mind as we are. And so, church, we've got to be about fellowship, we must be dedicated to and we must fight for fellowship. See, see, I believe friendly and surface is easy, but we've got to go subsurface. We've got to truly care about one another. We've got to truly love one another. We've just got to do a better job at this. So I want to talk two facets for a moment. The first facet is this, our guests. I want to talk to you. If you're a guest with us, and that guest could be anyone that's been here today for the first time to somebody that's been here for six, eight months which is time to like, come on, man, let's, let's do this. But anyways, guests, like I want to be family. Like I like family. I like the more the better. Anyways, our guests, I, I guess just sitting back and looking and listening and watching, I, I feel like that we can at times be welcoming, but struggle with inviting. Let me explain. I, I feel like that we can be really, really nice on the surface Got a little shine, got a little glimmer. Hey, how you doing? Awesome, great, good to see you. Yeah, 
Hey, hey, sit down. Here's your chair. No, over there, not next to me. Over there, yeah. Have a seat. We can be really, really good at being welcoming, but I believe that we struggle with being inviting. And what I mean by that is this. No, why don't you sit next to me? What are you doing after service? I would love to go grab some. I'm, I'm eating. You're probably going to eat my treat. Would you like to go? Or, or, hey, what are you doing later this week? Or, hey, what are your, your kids got a ball game? Where at? I'd love to go. Uh, or, or, hey, we've got this thing coming up next weekend here at the church. Man, I would love for you to be my guest. Would, would you, to, to really pull in and go deeper with. I, I feel like we're, we're good at making people kind of feel welcomed at first, but maybe not, maybe not pulling them in all the more. And hear me, I believe every church everywhere struggles with this. Every church I've been at does. Well, because we're creatures of habit. Do you look like me? Do you talk like me? Do you act like me? If so, we're going to get along really, really good. But if you're a little bit different, talk a little funny, dialect. You have how many kids? Okay. You like that, you like that team? Uh, I'm a Clemson dude. No, I'm a Carolina guy. I'm really a West Virginia dude, so I mean, I don't even fit anywhere. After three games, I'll pick the team I like the best down here after seeing how they do, and then we'll, we'll be friends, because the Mountaineers will fall apart every year. Uh, but, but we're creatures of habit, are we not? Uh, like, we go to what we're like, what, what best resembles us, what best looks like us, what best talks like and acts like us. We're comfortable there. That's easy. Fellowship is not easy. Fellowship is anything but easy. But there's been this command in the scripture to do what? Die to self. It's not about me. It's about the body. It's about the unity. It's about, it's about more than just one or a group of a few. It's about the body. It's about the world. Why? Because when we model fellowship well, it draws the world and it glorifies God. When we model and live this out well, it draws the world and it glorifies God. And, and so something I, I hear, I've heard a lot here lately is this, is that, is that we, have, we have so many visitors. I don't know people here. Well, shame on you for not getting out and finding out who people are. I'm just going to let that set for a second. That stings. Let's just let the Holy Spirit do something in that moment. If you don't know someone here, it's as simple as this. Hey, dude, what's your name? Cool, my name is this. What do you like? Where do you work? What do you... Go meet somebody. Go meet somebody. Go introduce yourself. And besides, I think it's a great thing to say that we have so many visitors. Uh, that means that people are interested and hungry, one, for God, hope, two, for whatever reason, they've seen this place, and they want to find out more about it. Man, we are like, we should be like sharks, and the, they are in our pond, yo. Go get them in a good, healthy way. I can be a bit much at times. You're not. I am. But go after, man. Get to know, ask questions, invite them. It's a great thing. Do you know how many churches don't have a visitor each month? How many churches are dying as a result of that? And I want to fight with everything in me for us. We're not going to be a church of me and my four no more. We are not going to do that. So, so if you're not about or interested in fellowship or, 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 or the more the better, then you're probably at the wrong place. I, I love you in the Lord, but I'm just going to, that's, that's, that's not the biblical picture that we see. And so we're not going to be that church. Here's one of the reasons why behind the name tag. We're making it really, really easy for me to remember your name that I should know, but that I don't. See, I just threw it off on me, so it's not even your fault. 
And we're going to do that for the next couple weeks. Why? Because we want to make sure and we want to know. And we, we just ask, it, hey, if you would just write your first name. We don't want social security number or mother's maiden name. That'll be next week. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but, you know, like we, like we want to make sure and we want to know. We, we want to do a better job at fellowship. So we'll do this every so often. We'll do a better job doing that. Uh, that we, that's the, one of the reasons, like I said, behind the name tag. The other, the other part is this, is the heart behind our fellowship is this, is that we want to grow so big here that we can't stand it anymore, that we have to send people out somewhere else to go plant and do what we've done here somewhere else. That's our heart. We don't want to build a mega thing here. We want to, we want to be a sending out there type church. So I'm praying for the day that, that 50 of you, 75, 100, I don't know how many, says, man, let's do this, let's go, because there's an area across town that needs a church. Uh, there's an area across town that has a church that's dying that, that needs a church there in that area that's, that's growing and blowing up and, and needs the word of God proclaimed, that needs light in a dark world there. Church, that's the heart behind fellowship. That's who we are, and that's what we're going to do, and that's what we're going to fight against. And like I said, New Life, it's our responsibility to go welcome and invite the fel- people to the fellowship. It's our responsibility to go initiate. This is our home. We're here. It's weird if you come in and don't know anybody else. I mean, think about when the last time you visited a church, what that was like. Everybody looking at you, everybody talking about you, everybody, well, can I sit in that chair? Can I not sit in that chair? Does that chair belong to somebody? No chair in this room belongs to anybody. Nobody. We're not that church. We're not going to be that church. And I'm not saying that because we are that church. I'm just saying if we're not intentional about things, things will change real, real quick and not a healthy, good way. So we're going to fight against, we're going to come to, and we want to make it as lovingly awkward and weird as we can in a good, healthy way. So two, the first thing is that. First thing is, is fellowship with, with, with visitors. The second thing is within the fellowship. Church, we've got to understand, we're on the same team. We are children of God heading in the same direction as to glorify and make much of Jesus. That's got to be our heart, heartbeat, our heart desire. That's why it's so important to have God's word in us. We must care for and love one another like Jesus called us to. John 13, 35 says this. It says, by this, all people will know that you're my disciple. How? If you have love for one another. We just got to make sure we're doing good loving each other. Caring for one another. We're going to see here in a little bit how that's lived out in the early church and what that looks like. He, Jesus here doesn't say you need to tolerate, you need to put up with, you need to stand for a few minutes. I mean, you, just only, you only got 52 times to see him. And they're probably going to be on vacation, and then I'll give you a snow here or there so we can cancel that. So, so if, you can just, if you can just tolerate him for like, like 46, 48 times in the year, you'll be good. No, no, no. He says to love them. You're to, the, the people of this world will know that you're my disciples if you have love. We need to be the most loving place on the planet. The most caring, the most gracious place on the planet. That's who we're to be. The Bible teaches that we're one body, many members, different likes, personality, gifts, ages, abilities. I think that's the beautiful thing about the church. I mean, I think that that is the beautiful thing about the uniqueness of the church. And I believe that's something that draws people. Look around the room this morning, what we're made up of. The ages... The different places we come from, the different things that we like, and the fact that we can sit together under the authority of God's word, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing about the church. We need to, 
we need to get to the place where we get off social media and realize that those people are not our friends, but the people that we do life with outside of, of the screen. That's where fellowship happens. Face-to-face, in living rooms, in restaurants, at ball fields, at the park, at the lake. That's where fellowship takes place. And that's what we need to be about. That's what God's called us to. That's what we've got to fight with, everything in us to preserve and to keep and to make happen, regardless of age, regardless of of background, regardless of likes and preferences. That's what we've got to fight against. He goes on and he says this in 42, he says, to the breaking of bread. And so this, this could mean like the Lord's Supper here, just to sharing meals together. You'll kind of see it played out later on in this scripture. So I, just where I land is I believe that it's both, to the breaking of bread and to the prayer. See, see, indicates a dependency on God, a, a hope in our future. We're, we're committed to, we're, we're dedicated, we're all on prayer. Why? Because, uh, because we need God to direct us. We need God to lead us. We need God to, to move us and sustain us and keep us. We need, listen to me, you will never get along with anybody in this room if you're not in God's word and prayed up. Why? Because you're going to aggravate somebody. Do you know how I know that? Because I aggravate people. Why are you laughing? There's going to be a time at the end where you can get your heart right. So just hang in it. We're coming. But is that, is that not human nature? I've got certain things that I like. I've got ticks that I like, that I have, that I do. You know what I'm saying? Like little things and stuff. And I've got tendencies that I've got, I'm trying to work through, help my, help, trying to get things figured out with me, all that stuff, be better me. And, and what I've learned about people is that every one of us are the same way. Everybody in this room, every single one of us has got the same issues. Everybody else in this room has. Every one of us. And so if we're not in God's word and we're not praying and we're not seeking and we're not living out true, authentic fellowship, then we'll become hard-hearted and we will become judgmental. You know, I make the comment all the time that the church is the quickest to crucify their own. That's because, because of that. We've forgotten what God's rescued and saved us from. And we forget that we aggravate people just as much as that person aggravates you, aggravates you. And we're so quick to overlook grace. We're so quick to overlook mercy. We're so quick to try to get in and really find out what's happening. Like, do you realize that usually the reason why people act the way they do is because there's a reason behind that? One, I'm not medicated. I take it most of the time. So that's, but no, it's because I'm selfish and sinful. And God's doing a work in me. He's shaping me. And mo- I'm not even close to where I need to be, or I don't think that I am. I mean, I'm 38 years old. And I've been going at this thing for, for over 20. I was saved at 11. I don't know what that math is on the fly, but anyways. Where are my math people at? 28, 38, 20, what, 27? Yeah. 27 years at it. And I still have got miles upon miles upon miles to travel. And there are even those occasions and times where I'm like, good Lord, did I just say or do? Like, I'm a grown man who loves the Lord. And I responded that way or I acted that way. And God just ever so lovingly reminds me, man, it's a journey. And if I was done with you, you'd be with me right now. And I'm not. And so I want you to repent, keep on trucking, dude, because I've got some things that I need to accomplish in you and do in you. And he's like that with every single one of us, every one of us, every one of us. And so if we're not in the word, we're not praying, not living relationally, we will never, ever be what God's called us to be and do. So as the band comes back up, 
the early church was devoted daily to God's word and to each other. And they lived their lives as if it depended upon it. Why? Because in that day it did. In that day it did depend upon it. But church, let me tell you right now, so does our lives. Yeah, their life could physically be taken, but, but have you not experienced and seen and known the complacency of the church currently? Uh, of how uh, fat and satisfied we get? Uh, of how complacent, how hard-hearted we get? They needed it that day. Why? Because, I mean, their, their lives, I mean, it, it could be taken in a moment. You belong to the way? Hey, we've got one over here. Like, like the Bible, the book of Acts outlines uh, the early church, and that's not just some made-up stuff. It's like, like, oh, hey, here's a, cool, here's a cool story. Let's make this cool, like, fictional. The Bible's not fictional. It's more real than we are. It's accounts of the early church, of the men and women of Christ, uh, uh, being murdered for their faith, martyred for their faith. Stephen pulled out and stoned to death. Man, I bump my shin or my big toe corner at the house and I fall apart. They're pounding the man with rocks. Why? Just because he told them the truth about Jesus. The church knew that and saw that. And what did they do? They rallied together. I mean, I think of the story in the book of Acts where Peter, where they were thrown in jail. Their lives were going to be taken. And what does the church do? The church gathers and prays. Why? Because they cared for one another. Man, that's our brother in jail right now. He's hurting. We want him back, and they pray, and what happens? The, 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 the Joseph just busts open. God sends an angel, and it busts open, and they walk out. And they live that way. Why? Because their lives depended on it. But church, ours does too. Ours does too. And if you don't see that the church is slipping in America and growing around the world, you're missing it. And the reason it's like that is because we've gotten away from this. We don't care for one another. We don't desire God's word. If we need a good word for the day, we can look it up or we can find that cute little meme quote, whatever. And we think we're good just to pull us through. Why does it not last? Because it it doesn't have life attached to it. And God's word has life attached to it. Because it's Jesus. So we need it just as much as they did because we've been blinded by independence privacy, everything this world has thrown at us, and we feel that we're so self-dependent. And you can't do nothing apart from a sovereign move of God. Nothing. We were created for relationship with Jesus and each other. And I just want to read and paraphrase what happens to close out this. All came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. What were all things in common? Jesus. They found common out the things that they did, the walks of life they were in. And they would always circle back to the main thing, and the main thing was always Jesus. That's our rallying point this morning. And verses 45 through 47 tells us that they go on to sell their possessions and they take care of the needs of the people that had them. That they were so committed to one another that they would give up certain Things, why so somebody else could have something that they needed. I mean, that's what the church does. That's who she is. It says every day they worship together. And then I love the, the last little part of 47. It says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Who would not want to be a part of a place like that? 
cards on the table. Church, if we, if New Life Baptist Fellowship lived that way, there wouldn't be an empty seat in the place for at least six services on a Sunday morning. So, so we've got a ways to go. As much as we've accomplished through the Lord and through His uh, prov- provisions, and we still have a ways to go. Right, there's a whole row. I mean, look around. Man, the harvest is ripe into the picking. Ripe into the picking. The workers are you. Church, we have got to go and share. This has got to be more than just an attendance thing or a, or a spiritual routine. It's got to be more than that. Relationship with God through his word and prayer as well as relationship with others through authentic fellowship is how we're called to live. And when the church is obedient in that, then God pours out like crazy to the point of where he adds day by day those who are being saved. I want that for here. I don't know about you, but I want that for here. So so we're going to do everything we can to set in place that type of a, an environment that type of a ground that's fertile for growth so I don't know where you're at I don't know what God's stirred in your heart I don't know what you need to do this morning if he's convicted you of sin if there's maybe somebody in the room you need to go talk to and encourage or ask for forgiveness whatever or if you just want to stand and sing or if you want to sit and pray or whatever God stirs on your heart to do you be obedient to in this moment but that's what we're fighting to get to that's what we're fighting to get to. That, that's what we want to model and emulate and be and live out. That's the picture that Jesus sets for his church that will not fail. The gates of hell cannot overcome. And that's what we're begging God to do in this fellowship. Father, help us this morning to hear your voice, to follow after you, to be obedient. God, that we'd be unified, one body, rallied around your word, devoted to prayer, devoted to fellowship, devoted to breaking of the bread. God, help us see what our problem is individually and to allow your Holy Spirit to work and do to shape and mold. Father, we love you. We need your name. We pray. Amen. If you would stand, they're going to lead us in a song this morning. If you need to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, we'll be down here. You just want to come pray. You just want to worship where you are. You be obedient this time.